listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, you can do so on the Facebook page, the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 123. We are reading from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 22. We'll read paragraphs 270 to 274. Chapter 22. The birth of the precursor of Christ and what the Lady Mary did on this occasion. 270. The hour for the rising of the morning star, which was to precede the clear sun of justice, and announce the wished-for day of the law of grace had arrived. John 5.35. The time was suitable to the Most High for the appearance of his prophet in the world, and greater than a prophet was John, who pointing out with his finger the Lamb, John 1.29, was to prepare mankind for the salvation and sanctification of the world. Before issuing from the maternal womb, the Lord revealed to the blessed child the hour in which he was to commence his mortal career among men. The child had the perfect use of his reason and of the divine science infused by the presence of the incarnate word. He therefore knew that he was to arrive at the port of a cursed and dangerous land and to walk upon a world full of evils and snares where many are overtaken by ruin and perdition. 2.71 On this account, the great child was, as it were, in a state of suspense and doubt. For on the one hand, nature, having nourished his body to the state of perfection, which is proper to birth, he recognized and felt in addition to the express will of God, the compelling forces of nature, which urged him to leave the retreat of the maternal womb. On the other hand, he contemplated the dangerous risks of mortal life. Thus, he hesitated between the fear of danger and the desire to obey. And he debated within himself, If I meet this danger of losing God, whither shall it lead me? How can I safely converse with men, of whom so many are enveloped in darkness and wander from the path of life? I am in the obscurity of my mother's womb, but I must leave it for a more dangerous darkness. I was imprisoned here, since I received the light of reason, but more must I dread the unrestrained freedom of mortals. 
But let me, O Lord, fulfill thy will and enter the world, for to execute it is always best. To know that my life and my faculties shall be consumed in the service of the highest king will make it easier for me to come forth to the light and begin life. Bestow, O Lord, thy blessing for my passage into the world. 272. By this prayer, the precursor of Christ merited new graces and blessings at his birth. The fortunate child knew by the indwelling of God in his mind that he was sent to perform great things and was assured of the necessary help. Before describing this most happy birth, I will try to explain the scriptural dates concerning it. It must be remembered that the miraculous pregnancy of St. Elizabeth lasted nine days less than nine months, for on the account of the fecundity miraculously restored to a barren woman, the fruit conceived matured for parturition in this shorter time. When the angel Gabriel announced to Most Holy Mary that her cousin was in the sixth month of her pregnancy, it must be understood to mean that eight or nine days were still wanting for the completion of the sixth month. I have also said in chapter 16 that the Heavenly Lady departed on the fourth day after the incarnation of the Word for her visit to St. Elizabeth. St. Luke does not say the Most Holy Mary departed immediately, but in those days, and though she went in haste, yet she consumed four days on her journey, as said in the same chapter, paragraph number 207. 273. I likewise reminded the reader that when the evangelist says that Holy Mary remained about three months in the house of St. Elizabeth, there were only two or three days missing. For in all respects, the evangelist was exact in his words. Accordingly, Most Holy Mary, Our Lady, was present not only at the confinement of St. Elizabeth and at the birth of John, but also at the naming and circumcision of St. John, as I will now show. Counting eight days after the incarnation of the Word, Our Lady arrived at the house of Elizabeth on the evening of the 2nd of April. If we reckon according to our solar months, adding thereto three months less two days, we have the 1st of July, the 8th day of the birth of St. John, and early next day Most Holy Mary departed on her return to Nazareth. St. Luke mentions the return of our Queen before he speaks of the birth of St. John. Although this happened before she returned. The sacred text anticipates the mention of the journey in order to have done with it and not to interrupt the thread of the narrative of the precursor's birth. This is what I was told to write down an explanation of the text. 274. Her time approaching St. Elizabeth felt the child in motion, as if he wanted to place himself on his feet but he was merely following the ordinary course of nature and the dictates of obedience. Some moderate pains overtook the mother, and she informed the Princess Mary. But she did not call her to be present at the birth, because reverence for the dignity of Mary and for the fruit within her womb prudently withheld her from asking what might not seem befitting. Nor was the great mistress in the same room, but she sent her the coverings and swaddling clothes which she had made for the fortunate child. Presently thereafter he was born, very perfect and complete in shape, and by the freedom from impure matter showed signs of the purity of his soul. He was wrapped in the covering sent by Mary, which therefore had already been great and venerable relics. 
Shortly after, when St. Elizabeth had composed herself, Most Holy Mary, at the command of the Lord, issued from her oratory in order to pay her a visit to the mother and child and give them her blessing. This concludes our reading today for day number 123. We read from Volume 2, Book 3, Chapter 22, Paragraphs 270 to 274. Today we have a shorter reading. Tomorrow will be a little longer, but it'll also be a shorter reading. This was a short chapter, but sometimes I think in this long haul of 365 days, there's probably a sense of relief when you look and see that this episode, this reading is less than 15 minutes. And maybe that also allows people the opportunity to catch up as well if they have fallen behind, that a shorter reading will help them make advancement. This first part of our chapter that we heard in the latter portion dealt with technicalities, but let us first address something in paragraph 271. The infant St. John has an intellect already, And perhaps one could say that it was because of the meeting of Jesus and John as the two greeted one another in the wombs of their mothers. And so the infant John is given words of things that he is thinking. If I meet this danger of losing God, whither shall it lead me? How can I safely converse with men of whom so many are enveloped in darkness and wander from the path of life? I am in the obscurity of my mother's womb, but I must leave it for a more dangerous darkness. And this child knows the darkness of the world already, even from within. There's the darkness of the womb that John the infant hasn't seen the light of day yet, but he encountered the light of the world. And so already this foreknowledge, in a sense, of what is to come, he is the forerunner, And then also the darkness of the world, as Maria Vagrida said, so many are enveloped in darkness and wander from the path of life. Well, this is the anticipated ministry of St. John the Baptist. St. John is going to be the voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. He is going to have the baptism of repentance for these people so that they might no longer wander from the path of life, but that they will return to the path of salvation. And so this is already the vocation of St. John, that he comes into the darkness so that he might show us who the light is. I thought it was interesting that in 273 we deal with the technicalities about how long the pregnancy of St. Elizabeth was and trying to pinpoint the exact calendar date. Now, what we have in this configuration that Maria Vagrida is offering, she says, If we reckon according to our solar months, adding thereto three months less two days, we have the 1st of July, the 8th day of the birth of St. John. And early next day, Most Holy Mary departed on her return to Nazareth. So that would be July 2nd. I think what's interesting here is that on the old calendar, before 1962, the Feast of the Visitation was July 2nd. And so if we look at what Maria Vagarda is saying here, as she tries to pinpoint the dates, well, then we celebrated the Feast of the Visitation of Our Lady on the day in which she returns. Just something to marvel at, kind of the uncanniness 
of what this text is trying to communicate to us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of The Mystical City of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.